You're listening to Surely I Could, a podcast built of an unjustified confidence to succeed at just about anything. Here's your host, Natalie Webb. Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of Surely I Could. Firstly, I just want to say thank you to anyone who listened to last week's episode, which was the very first episode of this podcast. It was super cool to have people tell me in person and message me that they listened to the show. As it turns out, pretty much anyone can host a podcast and there really is no level of quality control, but I still think I did a pretty good job either way. Definitely the most favorite part of that episode was their whole ABBA, give me, give me, give me music playing in the back of the dramatic ghost storytelling. And I'm glad that you guys could kind of go along with me and realize how cool that was. I know you're probably thinking, oh, can it get any better than that? But it actually can, because this week on our second episode, we have a very, very special guest. Joining me today to discuss raising our very first son is Harry. Welcome to the podcast, Harry. Thanks for having me. I'm a bit nervous, uh, to be honest, but yeah, I'm keen to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like you can tell that you're nervous. (laughs) So um, what brings you to the podcast today? Uh, Well, we're here to discuss our little one, aren't we? Our little love of our life, our little boy. Yeah, he goes all right, doesn't he? Well, I like him more than you, but um, yeah, and that is our dog. Yes, our dog. Don't freak out, mum and dad. We don't have a secret child. Not yet. Um, <laughs> and his name is? His name is Flynn. He's a mini fox. He is, how old is he now? About two years old? About two and a half. He's in his terrible twos, definitely. Oh, 100%. He's been in his terrible twos since we got him. Speaking of getting him, let me take you back on the journey of me desperately wanting a dog. Please do. It all started in 2018 when I decided it would be a good time to start wearing my mum down on the fact that I really, really wanted a dog, which was something that I'd wanted for a really long time. My mum told me that all I had to do in order to get a dog was to keep my room clean for two months at a time, which for any normal adult in their 20s really wouldn't be that hard. But for anyone that knows me, they kind of know that is mission impossible and it's pretty much my mum guaranteeing that I'll never get one. But fast forward to 2020, It's lockdown, and there's literally nothing to do but stay at home. And believe it or not, I managed to keep my room clean for two months in a row. So it was time to start dog hunting. My mum obviously wasn't impressed that I managed to do this, in her mind, impossible feat. So she kind of gave me a list of very specific things that I had to look for with a dog. She wanted me to get a dog from the shelter, not from the store. Adopt, don't shop. Bless her. She wanted me to get a female dog because... She thinks that male dogs just pee everywhere. And I mean, it's kind of fair enough that she thought that. And she wanted me to get a little dog. And as you'll soon find out, two out of three weren't bad. My search for a dog pretty much hit a stalemate as soon as it began, because finding a small dog in a shelter during lockdown when everyone wanted a dog was kind of impossible. That was until I was scrolling through Facebook one night and saw the cutest little dog on my feed. His name was Spud. Now, mum, this timing definitely wasn't premeditated, but it just happened to be when my mum was on holidays and she was out of reception. So it really was the time to strike. Harry, do you remember the night that we saw him on Facebook? Absolutely. I saw the cutest little dog in a sweater. The only red flag for me was the bit that said requires further training. But when you see a dog (laughs) that cute, I mean, you kind of just like don't sweat the small things. The post honestly had so many shares and comments that we thought that like everyone would try to get him the next day. So we made a game plan and decided that we'd get up at 6am, which for us is kind of a big deal. Absolutely. Especially Harry. Yeah. So we got up at six o'clock, got there at probably 7.30, I would say, at the shelter um, and just sat in the car for a bit, aircon blasting. Um, 
then it got to 7.45, so 15 minutes later, and uh, like a big intimidating sort of like white van pulls up next to us uh, with a, a lady in there who looked a little bit scary. Yeah, I mean, for someone looking to adopt a puppy, she kind of was in a filthy mood for no reason. So to secure our spot as being the first people there, we got up um, out of the car and went and stood at the front door. (laughs) Which was kind of extra, but I feel like necessary. Yeah, um, so we're expecting to sort of stand there for the next hour and 15, trying to secure an an appointment with this dog. Um, But luckily, a staff member arrived at 8am and gave us a ticket, like I said, number one. So we were the first people to meet him. So we got pretty lucky there. Mm, that was like the best moment getting that ticket. I was like, it's real. I feel like we actually could get him now when we got that. It was, but we were sort of also under the impression that you got sort of like almost quizzed on like the experience you had and the facilities and they sort of judge you off your age and all that sort of stuff that you sort of see on, I don't know, RSPCA and the doghouse and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so the time kept passing. They didn't open until nine o'clock. Um, and just more cars started rolling in more sort of like adults compared to us. Like (laughs) we're still only in our twenties. So to me, that's still a child. Um, but yeah, we were just sort of hanging out waiting to meet this dog. And I feel like as soon as people realized that we had ticket number one, we were the most hated people at that shelter. Yeah. Public enemy number one, as well as ticket number one. (laughs) What a combo. So if we didn't feel isolated from the group enough, I remember everyone kind of discussing how much this dog Spud would love their place, like they were going to get him. Like they were kind of forgetting that we had to get number one. They're like, he's going to love our property. He's going to run around so much. And I'm like, oh, I have a tiny little yard for him, but like I have a lot of love to give. So nine o'clock rolls around, the worker comes out and sort of gets us into this side yard. And then she brings this little black and white dog out to meet us and I don't think he knows how to walk. He kind of just bounces. Um, <laughs> he's special. He's very special. So yeah, she like let him off the leash and then kind of just took a back seat and sort of sat there and watched us and seen how we interacted with him. So he's just running around like he does this thing where he goes on his back and sort of pees on your hand, which is not ideal, but <laughs> just cute it's things. funny the first time. Like you're like, oh, it's re- cute. it is yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, at the start. So he's like, yeah, bouncing off our legs. And I think I took a live photo where he does sort of like a backflip off your back leg. So that's an iconic one. Um, So, yeah, we got to this sort of, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minute mark. Yeah, it got to like an awkward stage where like we definitely wanted him, but she kind of wasn't saying that we got him and we didn't just want to be like, oh, like, do you pick us? Because we didn't know that, like, it was first in best dress. Yeah, we were really expecting it to just be like, oh, you guys have had your time. He'd bring in yeah, the rest of the group. Yeah, we thought everyone else was going to meet him after us. So, yeah. like, that was nerve-wracking. I kind of describe it as, like, the end of a date when they, like, drop you off and you're, like, in the car. And you're like, oh, like, are we going to kiss? Or, like, do I just hug? Like, it's just, like, that awkward, like, limbo. And you just kind of, like, don't know what to do and you don't know what to say. Until finally she just went okay do you want him and we were like oh my god yes yeah absolutely so obviously in this moment we were like super happy and something that we weren't sure was going to happen had happened but a real downer on the experience was the super awkward layout of this pound so there's like the garden where you meet the dog and then there's the office where you sign the contract but in between is every single rejected dog owner standing between you and signing the contract. And I remember just walking out of that garden, putting my head down and saying to everyone, oh my God, I'm so sorry, don't hate us. And when we went to sign the contract, we were met by like 20 Karens at one time. 
Yeah, there were so many people there and we were sort of in the office like super excited but also I don't know, it was kind of like a feeling of embarrassment that we got our way. I feel like it was like guilty, but it's like we were there first, like if you wanted him, you should have just showed up earlier. Yeah, exactly. So we're in this room and the door's open um, and then I just hear coming in from the door from one of the ladies in the car park, what if they decide he's not the right fit for them? And we're just (laughs) sort of like, what the heck? It's just like so shady and it's like... They were just so, like, openly bitter. I feel like they weren't trying to hide it. Yeah, I know. So the worker kind of just laughed and dismissed it. So, yeah, that was a bit of an awkward uh, moment. Yeah, a few, few Karens for sure. So being a responsible shelter and us being responsible pet parents, uh, we decided to get Spud de sex the next day, which uh, was a bit of a false start. And then we went back out to the car and realized that my battery was flat. So we waited in the car park for a a couple of hours for the NRMA to come and rescue us. Yeah, but all was good because the extra day gave me plenty of time to think of his name. And like I'm sure a lot of girls have, instead of just having baby names on my notes app on my phone, I even had dog names. And the top name that I'd always loved was Little Flynn. And Flynn the Foxy, it just worked perfectly. So he got his name before we picked him up the next day. We got him home and he was an absolute angel for about two weeks, which just happened to coincide with the amount of time that Nat's mum had uh, left on her holiday. So he only really started acting up and becoming the Flynn that we know today when she got back from the holiday. So he stitched us up a little bit there. Right on cute. Yeah, he was he was really good at the start, but like then we just noticed that he's just a total psycho. But we still love him. Oh, of course. I guess we should give the listeners a bit of an insight into Flynn because we keep saying how much of a nut job he is and how he's a very free spirit. So uh, do any stories come to mind for you? I mean, I feel like the standout ones are the sock sagas. Oh, the bloody socks. The bloody socks. One day, mum and I were out the back putting the washing on the line and I dropped a sock and he kind of just like picked it up and started running around and it was kind of just like a game. I was like chasing him and, you know, he just had it in his mouth. He kept dropping it, picking it up. But then I look at him and the sock is just like nowhere to be seen. And we just cannot find this sock anywhere. And then it dawned on us, he's eaten the freaking sock. Just a disclaimer, I wasn't there at this point. I definitely would have stopped him. I feel from like you would have been able sock. to catch him. Um, yeah, I'm pretty quick. I feel like I would have been able to stop him. Okay, well, you weren't there. So it was very tough. And we had to take him to the vet for eating a sock, which was just an unnecessary expense and just, just annoying. Yeah, I can just imagine poor little Flinny out the back of the vets. They're just giving him some, I guess, what, what they're actually called is emetics. It makes them spew um, so that any stomach contents come out and stop from going further into the gastrointestinal tract. Oh, guys, for anyone that doesn't know, Harry's studying to be a vet. That's why he's speaking so obnoxiously. Yeah, sorry. Just Pretty much just he spewed up the sock. And the vet was like, oh, is it a pink sock? I was like, yeah, yeah that's, that's the one. And he got the sock back, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I still wear it. Like, I'm not going to waste that. Wow, I'm a lucky boy. (laughs) Um, We thought the sock sagas were over. You know, we kind of pick up socks off the floor now. That was until one day I just get a text from my mum saying, oh, I I think Flynn ate another sock. And right on cue, it was night and we would have to go to the emergency. Yeah, we were actually at a friend's house watching State of Origin, having a great old time. And then I think it was in the car on the way back. It was probably 11 o'clock. I know it was pretty late. And he got the text message and... Of course, this had happened probably two weeks earlier when he actually ate the sock. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty dramatic scenes. Yeah, and the thought that he could have ate a sock was obviously very believable because it had just happened. So we took him to the emergency vet and 
It was super expensive, I remember. But then I remember them coming out and saying to me, um, are, you, are you sure that he ate a sock? Yeah, so we were there for like 45 minutes in the waiting room, just absolutely kicking ourselves. Like this bloody dog, like he's cost us another, what, five, what was this? $500, $600. Yeah, it was. Which is totally reasonable for to pay the vets for their time. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it was just unnecessary. And yeah, as it turned out, there was uh, no sock. I think they had him spewing the poor thing for about... I don't know, half an hour. It had like he'd been hungover like all day, you know, when you're just doing it and there's just really nothing left. Yeah, he would have felt pretty rubbish. Mm. And it was obviously a big trigger to me texting my mum being like, are you sure that he ate a sock? And she was like, oh, yeah. And I feel like her story started to change. And when we got home, there's the sock just on the couch, hadn't been eaten. So um, my mum did pay for most of the bill, we must say. Shout out to Leone, But yeah, it was a very awkward night for me from then on. <laughs> Why? Oh, there was just a fair bit of disagreeing. Oh, and um, maybe you didn't have to pay any? Yeah. I mean, I'm just a poor uni student. Oh, of course. Another endearing feature about Flynn is that he does not know personal space. So if you're with Flynn, like you're with Flynn, he's on top of you. And he's not just on your lap. He's like on your face. So um, he's definitely... The like epitome of high maintenance, but you know he has a lot of love to give and he loves a good cuddle. Another thing is you cannot leave any doors open or he will literally bolt. I remember my brother Mitchell was over one day and I was like, oh my god, like you have to close the front door or he'll sprint out, and he didn't and he sprinted out and my brother's like, okay, he's like a prisoner in this house, which I swear he enjoys living here, but like he's also very keen to leave at any opportunity. Getting back on track with the theme of this week's podcast, which is surely I could raise a son, I guess we should discuss parenting styles. I think mine is very laid back and relaxed, which probably isn't surprising to anyone. I'll let Flynn kind of do whatever he wants and I just want him to have fun. I also think I'm that kind of parent that's like, oh, surely not my little Flynn, which is kind of, those parents are really annoying, but I've kind of become one of them and I think my son is perfect. Harry's is quite different. What would you say yours is? I'd say I'm just like a bit more strict. I wouldn't say harsh. I'd say just like loving and want the best for him. So yeah, like I don't want him like jumping up on lounges and you want him to be the best version of himself. Exactly. I don't, I don't want him to be doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. I like running out the door or like falling off a bed. Cause he's, he can't really control himself when he jumps. He just kind of lands and <laughs> uh, you did get a hammock for your birthday and he's flipped out of that a few oh, he times. He loves the hammock. But um, I just want him to be the most relaxed version of himself. Yeah. So I think I'm a little bit more like like semi-helicopter parent in terms of like I'm just looking out for him. Yeah. Okay. So it's a a good balance. Yeah. It just makes me look like a bit of a a bad cop sometimes, which is not ideal. There's always got to be one. So overall, I think we're doing a pretty good job of raising a son. And I would say confidently enough, surely I could raise a son. Yeah, I think we're smashing it. And if anyone wants to lend us like a human child, I think we'd be able to see how we go. Um, I want to get some insurance for that one. Yeah, I mean, we sound pretty equipped, but yeah, complete novices. And they might run out the front door. Definitely. But yeah, if you guys want to follow Flynn, he's actually on Instagram. Um, Oh, yeah. It's at Flynn underscore the foxy. That's it. He's not too active at the moment because he's he's a busy guy. He's very busy. But um, post coming soon. So while I still got Harry here, I mean, I don't seem enough 
I thought that I would let him kind of come up with his own segment to end off the show. I told him that he could maybe talk about funny stories of ours or moments from our relationship. I said, kind of just whatever you think. And the first thing that came to his mind pretty much straight away was a segment titled, I've got beef. Love that for me. So Harry, what beef would you like to unpack today? Well, the recording of this podcast is actually pretty close to a two-year anniversary of something that happened. Do you remember what? (laughs) If it was around Easter, then yeah. Yeah, so I've got a little scar on my left knee um, from an incident that happened from your, let's say, complacency. You say complacency. I say kind of your foolishness. I reckon you're a little bit too fast and loose. So should we tell them what happened? All right. So it was during lockdown, hey? Yeah. And I think we're watching a movie or we're about to, we're just hanging out during the day. And I was like, you know, what a vibe than to have some red wine. So I got this like massive wine glass and I poured myself some red wine and I kind of had some and I realized that I'm not really classy enough for this and I don't really even like the wine, but I didn't want to waste it. So I just got the wine glass and put it in the fridge door, which like, obviously that was probably my first mistake looking back. Yeah. So anyone that knows like basic physics where (laughs) something's a bit top heavy and it's on a a hinged door, um, it's not really going to end well. So I can't remember which one of us it was, but the fridge door was opened and the glass just sort of toppled out full of wine and smashed on the tiles in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, that was quite unfortunate, especially because it was from a set that my mom had been gifted. It was a set of two. She was not happy. She was bloody not happy. Anyways, this is the part of the story which I think makes me look good because normally if I was to smash something, I feel like I would just leave it there and just kind of deal with it later or someone else will deal with it. But being the responsible adult I am today, I'm like, I'm going to sweep it and I'm going to sweep it all together in a pile and I I can see where I went wrong. In the middle of the kitchen, kind of in a line, a perfect line of smashed glass. Yeah, so it was like a pile in the middle of the kitchen with like this red wine almost like an ice skating rink on the tiles like leading up to it oh yeah i definitely swept the wine with the glass also and like i'm not about to go get a mop like come on one thing at a time who has time for that no one has time for that especially during lockdown when there's you know so much to do so we yeah sat down to watch the movie and being the good boyfriend i am um well i got up to grab us some drinks um and well we should first say that the pile of glass stayed there Because obviously I couldn't do the final step of actually putting it in the bin because that was a bit too much. Yeah, I think they assumed that you would have left it there. Okay, well, I don't know if the viewers would assume that, Mm. but maybe. Yeah, so I all of the lights were off because, you know, movie vibes. I was walking into the kitchen. I took one step onto the tiles and just slipped. I reckon I I was like on my knees for like... I don't know, like a meter or so. some distance. Yeah, you know when you do lawn bowls and you sort of get down and do that nice, you like hold the pose. I feel and like watch you the were like go. gliding across the surface of the tiles. Yeah, so I was gliding and then <laughs> along the wine, um, went of yeah course. head over heels and uh, my left knee straight into that pile of glass. Straight like it was into that pile. It was, it was on, like, like it was waiting tile. for you. Hey, it was just absolutely waiting for me. And then. And like, yeah. what are the odds that the moment that you'll stop gliding and start slipping will be right on that pile of glass? Pretty low. So I was not happy. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I heard some like screech from the kitchen. It was maybe like a bloody hell now or like, 
for F's sake, I don't, I don't really know, but I remember being like, oh, yeah, like, he's he's not going to be happy. And, like, he's a bit of an overreactor. So. I wouldn't say I'm an overreactor. Well, maybe not You were giving me stage. absolutely nothing. I think it was definitely suture-worthy. Um, I, I, yeah. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit like Olivia off maths at time. Like, I just didn't really have any sympathy. But, like, I do have it. I'm not a psychopath, I swear. Yeah. But, like, that's just kind of hilarious to me. So, yeah, anyway, my knee got split right open. There's it actually blood, was bad. There's wine, there's you. glass. I'm Where pretty does the sure blood I stop still, and the wine start? I know. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I was still the one to sweep up the glass just quietly. Oh, well, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Natalie being Natalie is not really any first aid stuff around except for a couple of bandages. I know. He's with like, Lady do you have a first them. aid kit? I'm like, does my family really give you vibes that we're going to have a first aid kit? And I remember him being like, get my first aid kit from the car. Like, yeah. So I think I sent you out and you got my first aid kit from the car. Yeah. That's you never nice know when me. you're going to need it. So thank you for that. Yeah. You're, and I, you're welcome. That's the first time I've heard thank you this whole story. <laughs> I don't deal with pain that well. So I was sort of sitting on the couch just like, you know how you just grimace like your face just sort of... And he needed a wambulance. I didn't need a wambulance. I needed sutures, to which you said, that is ridiculous. Don't worry about <laughs> it. So it was ridiculous. I just got, yeah, I patched myself up because, you know, I don't know how fast and loose you would do it. It would probably fall off pretty quickly. And I'm not out here trying to, like, look at blood. That's That's kind of disgusting. Yeah, so anyway, I... Yeah, sort of patched myself up and went about my business for the next week or so, and it wasn't getting any better. And uh, I'm just looking down at my left leg now, and I can still see a scar. Two years later. So, yeah, that's my little I've got beef segment. You kind of have been salty about that ever since. I mean, like... I've got, like, the, the legs are the money makers. Like, I could be, oh. like, a knee model or something, if that's even a thing. I mean, with those calves, yeah. Yeah, and now there's, like, just this permanent reminder of your just i guess fast and loose mentality but isn't that kind of like beautiful that wherever you go there's like a there's like a piece of me on you yeah i guess some people get like matching tattoos and stuff i just look down at my leg and there you are so yeah i have a scar on my knee what's yours from mine's from um well i like to make up a lot of different stories but it's from jumping up on a netted trampoline on the pole and then sliding down and slicing my leg open which kind of i guess paints a picture of the kind of person that I am. So um, I actually did get stitches for that one. Yeah, but I, I wasn't overdramatic that, about it. Worst part of that for you would have been the tetanus injection, I'm sure. Um, I didn't get a tetanus injection. Okay, that's even more fast and loose. You really need to work on this. Okay. Um, yeah, so thank you for introducing your lovely segment. Out of all the things you could have thought to talk about, we have a new segment. Take it away, Harry. I've got beef. Thanks for listening, guys, and thank you to Harry for being the first guest on this podcast, even though you were kind of shady at times. Thanks for having me. I had a good time. It's, uh, yeah, great exposure, so thank you for that. (laughs) Always up for some good exposure. And we have one final very special guest to help us sign off the podcast. It is none other than the man himself, Flynn the Foxy. You going to say something, buddy? He just kind of makes nervous noises. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mood. Join us next week as I embark on another Surely I Could mission, facing it with an unjustified confidence. Yeah, keen to listen next week and uh, good luck to any other future guests I'm following up my performance. Oh, God. See ya!